Canadian Thanksgiving has just passed. It's a time to think about all the things for which we are grateful. I've been reflecting on how our Thanksgiving traditions shape us. For me, Thanksgiving is often a time of comfort. The weather gets cooler, we get together with friends and family, and we prepare comfort foods. The sense of comfort I associate with Thanksgiving is kind of like putting on your favorite faded old jeans and that well-worn hand-knit sweater with the elbow patches and the frayed cuffs. I'm grateful for all the creature comforts I have. But what do you do when life has thrown you so many curveballs that it's hard to be thankful, when life is anything but comfortable? Hi, my name is Dan Dick, and welcome to Church Matters. Today's guest is Mike Newfeld. Mike is a high school teacher at Mennonite Brethren Collegiate Institute, where he teaches Bible and global issues. He's passionate about helping young people understand faith, the church, and how their beliefs and culture shape them. He holds a Bachelor of Arts, Bachelor of Religious Studies, and a Bachelor of Education. Mike is a friend of mine, and I really appreciate his thoughtful insights on the world, on religious history, and biblical interpretation. Recently, Mike spoke to the congregation at Home Street Mennonite Church on the topic of comfort. In Matthew 5.4 we read, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How can it possibly be that in the depth of sadness and sorrow one can be comforted? What is comfort in this context? Is sorrow and discomfort something we can be thankful for? Mike has had his share of sorrow over the years, so I invited him to come into the studio and share a condensed version of his thoughts on comfort and why he is thankful for the church in times of discomfort. Mike first offered these words at Home Street Mennonite Church on June 29, 2014. I like comfort. Everything about it is, is fantastic. I like being comfortable. I like being comforted. And I certainly like providing comfort because it feels good to help someone. On the other hand, I really dislike its opposite. I'm not a big fan of pain or the way every part of my own storyline has unfolded. I turned 48 this year, and I've got to say that I'm not really comfortable with approaching the big 5-0. I'd rather be younger, faster, stronger, more energized, and even more good-looking than my wife already thinks I am. Let me start with Jesus and these powerful words. He astounds me every time I think about the stuff he says to people. Picture Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount telling an audience whose lives have been largely unsatisfying that it is okay to mourn with the audacious claim that you will be comforted. It's crazy to make promises like that. Not crazy if the comforting is simply a shoulder to cry on, knowing full well that life won't really get any better, but at least someone understands. This kind of comfort has its place, but I don't like this place. I don't like comfort without solutions. I can appreciate comments like, that must be hard, or I'll be praying for you. But what I really want is a comfort that brings an end to the tears because there's no more reason for the tears. What were the people of Jesus' day mourning about? As a society, it becomes clear in looking at, at the time that they were under both political and spiritual domination. The Romans called the shots, demanding taxes and subservience. 
Everyone knew that the Romans could take what they wanted, when they wanted, and there was nothing to be done. Thankfully, Rome allowed some level of religious freedom, which the religious leaders promptly turned into another form of oppression. Legalism, combined with a temple system that demanded the people give whatever wealth the Romans didn't take, had the people chafing under the weight of bad religion. Into this environment, Jesus tells the people to mourn because you will be comforted. The oppression you face will come to an end. The meek will indeed inherit the earth. It seems too good to be true, but I can imagine the comfort of ending what is wrong with life would truly be cause for the tears to stop falling. The comfort I long for is the end of my own troubles. Along with this confession, I have often thought of my two favorite Anabaptists. The first of these was a man named Michael Sattler. Formerly a Benedictine monk, Michael heard and embraced this new Anabaptist movement begun on a cold evening in 1525. What I like about Michael is his incredible faithfulness to the building up of a kingdom not shaped by the dominant culture. He wasn't going to compromise with what the world was doing. He believed that the church and state must be separate and the one shall have nothing to do with the other. He refused to accept any help that involved the use of the sword, nor would he or his followers ever take up the sword. Michael advocated for a complete and utter separation from the world as he knew it. I like good ideas a lot. I've spent my life exploring great ideas. The problem with some ideas is that they put us in positions of great discomfort. Here lies the rub. I love comfort and ideas, but what happens when the ideas we have or live out crush the comfortable life we have? Michael's ideas, in a world unwilling to change the status quo, got him into trouble. As a monk, his life was relatively easy and predictable. He gave up that life, attempting to scratch out a living as an average-at-best weaver and a dynamic leader of a new and radical religious group. He got married and with his wife, purposely followed a path he knew would bring pain and sorrow. It was a path that led to a trial which saw him condemned to death. Once condemned, the court records the sentence for us. The executioner shall lead Sattler to a place of execution and cut out his tongue, then throw him upon a wagon, and there tear his body twice with red-hot tongs. And after he has been brought outside the gate, he shall be pinched five more times in the same manner. Then they burned his body to powder. I love his dedication to the faith. I love his willingness to die for Christ. I love his absolute, uncompromising nature. I love that he got married knowing that his wife might face the same fate. She was drowned rather than burnt. I'm sure that Sattler found a great deal of comfort in this stance. That said, I find him hard to relate to. I want his life to be blessed. I would have wanted him to live in a society where freedom of religion is a constitutional right. He didn't, though, and he chose the path of discomfort, fear, pain, and undoubtedly doubts along the way. Maybe my goal and our goal should be to embrace the uncomfortable parts of our lives with wholehearted devotion and trust in a God who will work out all things for good in the end. I hope I can get to that place someday, but I'm not there yet. Menno Simons is my other favorite Anabaptist for decidedly different reasons than the too-good-to-be-true Sattler. Menno gets the whole comfort versus pain thing, but he didn't come to that place as quickly or as easily as Sattler. 
Menno liked the good life. He loved his job as a Roman Catholic priest. He partied with his friends in the evenings and recited services on Sunday, baptized babies, married people off, buried some, and lived a life of comfort and ease. What to me is most interesting about Menno is that despite his acceptance of Anabaptist values, knowing that what he had been teaching from the pulpit was unbiblical, he did so anyway. At one point, in condemning a violent Anabaptist group called the Munsterites, Menno wrote, But I myself acknowledged abomination simply in order that I might enjoy physical comfort and escape the cross of Christ. Among the sins Menno listed as his personal vices included false pride, love of ease and security, an aimless existence, and a timidity that caused him to shrink from the unpleasant. Once Menno, after nearly 10 years of failing to commit wholeheartedly to Anabaptism, did join the movement, he became a hunted man. Unlike Sattler, though, Menno was largely unwilling to embrace persecution if he could help it. One of my favorite stories from Menno Simons was as follows. He was riding in a carriage up top with the driver. Soon they were surrounded by police officers. When they asked the driver and Menno Simons, who they didn't know what he looked like, is Menno Simons in there? Menno Simons leaned over, looked into the carriage and said, is Menno Simons there? When they replied, no, he's not, he looked at the officers and said, sorry, Menno's not here, and they left. Unlike Sattler, Menno appeared to have no qualms about accepting protection. A man named Bartholomus von Eilfeldt had since 1543 been gathering oppressed Anabaptists on one of his large estates called Wustenfeld. Here at last, Menno found shelter and protection. This is an Anabaptist I can relate to far more easily than I can Sattler. He combines the passion of his beliefs with a real desire to avoid much of the discomfort felt by other Anabaptists. I've often told my students that I'd like to model my life after Menno. Yes, there will be discomfort, but to willingly embrace it is neither easy nor is it unavoidable at all times. As I have for several years now, I watched Amish Grace again this year with my grade 11 students. In the story, a fictitious family, created to highlight the obvious tensions between justice and forgiveness, has lost one of their daughters to Charlie Roberts, the gunman getting back at God for the death of his own daughter nine years earlier. At one point in the story, Ida, the grieving mother, starts packing up her suitcase. She is going to leave the community and go live with her shunned sister in the big city. Her grief is too large and no one can understand her anger. She cannot be comforted in any way. Running is her only solution. At this point, her husband told her the following, Faith, when everything is as you want it to be, is not true faith. I'd heard the words many times in the film, but this year they hit me hard. I was profoundly struck by the idea that my discomfort was gnawing away at my faith. I had let the realities I didn't like about my life poison me to the point where all I saw was a God and a community who didn't care. It is this toxin that must be flushed from my system. The tears of mourning are intended to do that, I believe. When we trust that comfort and not solutions will flow to us when we mourn, then both mourning and comfort can be those things that strengthen our faith. They can remind us that sometimes life stinks. Sometimes life throws us curveballs that we swing at and miss. But as long as we can keep swinging, all hope is not lost. Thank you, people of the church, for being a place of comfort. May we strive to hear each other even more in our pain, in our mourning, in our dark nights of the soul, 
so that we might both comfort and be comforted, and in that, allow our faith to be a real and authentic faith. Thanks very much, Mike, for coming into the studio and sharing your insights with our listeners. As usual, you can join me again in just four weeks for another episode of Church Matters. We're here for you at 8.45 a.m. on the third Sunday of each month. We always welcome your feedback to this program, and we love to hear listener ideas for topics and themes you'd like us to cover. Dash off your email to churchmatters at mennoniteschurch.ca. We also welcome your phone calls and financial support for this program at 1-866-888-6785, or you can visit mennonitechurch.ca and click on the donate link. I'm your host, Dan Dick. Know that you are called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Thanks for listening. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the Salt and light as people of the way